sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. How can we best reach the men and women of our time with the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, found in its fullness within the Catholic Church? According to one Catholic author and convert, speaker and writer today, the answer is actually found in the thought of a 17th century Frenchman, Blaise Pascal. That modern Catholic writer is Peter Kraft, who wrote sort of a commentary on Blaise Pascal and proposes that Pascal has the answers to the questions that men and women are asking today about Christianity. That's what we're going to be talking about today on Ignition. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And we want to set your faith ablaze so that you might live the adventure that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that, as always, we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, or if you have ideas for future episodes, please contact us. The easiest way to do so is by email, and the address is ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. So today um, is uh, kind of, I mean, for people who like, Love to see zeros. Uh, today is uh, one of the special episodes of Ignition because this is the 600 episode, 600th, 600th episode of Ignition. So I'm here with all my friends in the studio. This is where we need like the, the crickets or the, the nighttime. Uh, <laughs> so no, actually we're doing um, one of our solo episodes. Again, not Han Solo, just solo as in one person, Chris Bergwald. We're going to... We're going to get, someday we'll get an image of Han Solo with my face superimposed. Elise is um, being mute, even though she has a mic at her disposal. I do. Hello, everyone. Um, but so when I've, like, spoken to you so far, you're, oh, yes. you're just nodding. Oh, yes. I'm working on the graphic. Okay. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, we'll, we'll see what that means later. Hopefully later. Well, sometime later. So, um, I am very uh, excited, though, about to talk about for the topic that that um, I've chosen for today. So, Peter Kraft is, um, I, I said, Catholic author, speaker, and writer. Uh, you know, an author and writer, at least, is sort of a redundancy. But I just want to emphasize the fact that he writes. So, I said author and writer. Yeah, I, I think that was a good distinction. Thank you very much. Uh, so, so, Peter Kraft, if you've never heard of Peter Kraft, uh, he's now a retired uh, professor of philosophy at Boston College. But Kraft, uh, Peter Kraft converted to Catholicism from uh, Calvinism, from uh, Calvinist, I think Presbyterian uh, Christianity, back in maybe in the 60s, uh, 70s, um, way before that. In, in the 80s and into the 90s, there was a whole sort of wave of, really well-known converts um, from various traditions of Protestantism into the Catholic Church. Um, uh, Kraft converted before it was cool, uh, as some people will say. And and he's one of my favorite writers. I mean, I think, I think sometimes when we think of philo- philosophers, philosophy professors, uh, writers of philosophy books, we think of really abstract, like, hard, like, what's going on? This is hurting my brain. But Peter Kraft is, is uh, definitely a very readable writer um and author uh both uh so so i i've been a fan of his his writings for um well since my reversion uh, pretty much um 30-ish years ago at this point wow so one of Crave's book it books 
is titled Christianity for Modern Pagans. Uh, Pascal's Pensees. Uh, I think it's actually Pensant, but I'm not going to do my awful... But that doesn't have, well, that's how I think... That sounded French. Pensant, I know. Yeah, I know. But, great. but we don't say... But when you're saying a word in English, I feel like you should like just say... So do you see the word? It's in the script. Can you see it? Oh, yeah. I mean, in this Pensant, I mean, it sounds a little pretentious. Like every time... But in, 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 in Pascal's Pensant... You know, I'm just going on regular Midwestern. Pinson. And then all of a sudden, we're going to roll out a pinson. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's jarring, to, at least to my ears, if not the listeners. So, anyway, so Christianity for Modern Pagans, Pascal's pinson. Edited, outlined, and explained. So, this is, um, this is easily one of, um, one of my, okay. One of my favorite books, but that, that's not still, that's not actually the best way to express. Um, for me, it's one of the most important books that I've read. Actually, that's the best way. I, mean, I have a lot of, and the irony is it sat on my shelf for a long time in the plastic shrink wrap that uh, Ignatius Press puts around, uh, usually around their new books. Um, the title, I heard about the book and I was intrigued by it. Ooh, Christianity for Modern Pagans. That sounds interesting. Uh, so I bought it. And I put it on the shelf intending to read it, and it sat there for a while, like maybe years, before I put the pla took the plastic wrap off, and I started reading it. Ooh, this looks good. And then, squirrel, I got distracted, put it back on the shelf. But it was probably about, at this point, I don't know, five-ish years ago. Uh, I don't remember what prompted me to pick it up again, but I read it. And, and again, not only favorite, but for me, important. Because of what I said uh, in the, the, the opening Again, Christianity for modern pagans. Um, so a lot of what Peter Kraft writes about is apologetics. Uh, apologetics is the branch of theology which is devoted to explaining, um, defending um, questions or objections. Well, sorry. Explaining um, and or defending what we believe as Catholics as Christians, as believers in God, as theists. Um, and and, and uh, he does that as a Catholic, so answering questions or objections that other Christians might have to Catholic Church, but he does a lot sort of just explaining and defending Christianity against modern secularism. Um, that seems to be primary, I would say it's probably his primary area of apologetics. He does more sort of, Specifically, Catholic apologetics uh, in a number of his books, but he uh, most of his books are explaining Christianity to modern um, to modern men and women, uh, and and he argues in this book. So again, this is his sort of is it's, it's, he's taken uh, Pascal's pensées, and I'll explain what they are in a minute. I'm going to see. I said pensées instead of pensées. Um, edited, outlined, explained. So he takes he sort of is offering a commentary on these texts from Blaise Pascal, a 17th century Frenchman. And as I said, I really do think that uh, I'm convinced by Kraft's argument that Pascal sort of anticipated the questions or frankly the attitude that a lot of people living in Western society today, the 21st century, have um, about Christianity in general, including Catholicism. 
um, again, the questions, but also the attitude, because part of the problem is they're not asking questions. They're, eh, eh, okay, Christianity, whatever. Um, and Kraft argues, and again, I'm convinced that Pascal does a great job of, of talking about how to respond to that attitude, how to engage people who have that attitude, and I'm convinced by that. So uh, a little bit, talking about, talk about Kraft already, um, so Blaise Pascal was a 7th century, 17th century Frenchman. Uh, he was a polymath. So uh, he, he invented all sorts of things. He was a mathematician, uh, sort of invented the first, I think, computer. I mean, uh, he was a brilliant man who died only at, when he was 39. Uh, he'd written some books, uh, and he'd, he'd started uh, collect, uh, uh, writing a bunch of notes that he intended to be a book sort of explaining and defending uh, Christianity to um, men and women of his time who were becoming increasingly secularized in 17th century France. But he died before he was able to actually take the series of notes uh, and, 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 and put them into actually a book form. So uh, pensées or pensant is plur French uh, for thoughts. So these are thoughts, uh, Pascal's thoughts. They, they have been collected and published in book form, but again, they're just a series of thoughts. And what Kraft does in this book is, again, take a number of them um, and order, put them in a particular order and off, offer his commentary. Uh, so this is, again, not only one of my favorite books, but one of my most, when I, it's one of the books that I've read that's most important to me. So what I want to do with all that as, as background is just point out, um, we're not going to be able to look at a, a lot, but just a couple of the points that uh, Kraft slash Pascal make that I that, that have that really struck me when I finally did read this book uh, and that I see as really important, again, for us, for ourselves, uh, as those of us who are Catholics, who are Christians, uh, just for our own sake. Uh, because we breathe the same cultural air that those around us uh, breathe, who might be modern pagans, that is, they don't um, believe in Christianity or maybe in religion in general. Um, so we're breathing that same air that they are. So there's ways in which we've sort of taken on the, the same culture um, that they have, so sort of unwittingly. So it's helpful, I think, for us. I know it's helpful for me, some of the things that, that Kraft slash Pascal have to say. Uh, but then I also think it is good for us in terms of how to engage others. There's a line um, that was said that I came across years ago. I think many people have said variations of it, but the, one of the greatest tragedies, not literally, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of hyperbole, but one of the greatest, tra greatest tragedies in, is an answer to an unasked question. One of the greatest tragedies is an answer to an unasked question. So I might have all sorts of answers, but if, if the person I'm talking with isn't, isn't asking questions, then my answers are sort of a waste of time. Like, they don't care. Um, so that's one thing. Like, we have answers, but people are answer, asking the questions. But the other thing is they might be asking questions, but we're giving an answer to the wrong question. So it's really important that we're attentive to the questions that are being asked and or just the attitudes that people have and that we meet them where they're at. Uh, one of the great challenges um, I think that we face is, well, one of the great challenges, mistakes we make when we're trying to explain or talk about our faith 
um, is we're we're addressing um, somebody, but not where they're at in a spiritual sense. So if I were trying to share the good news of Jesus Christ with Elise, um, but I'm talking to her as if she's a Buddhist instead of the Catholic woman that she is, they'd be like, "What?" She she'd be really confused, and obviously it would be unhelpful. So it's important that we um, that we address people based on where they're at in their spiritual journey at the time. Okay. Um, so this is again, where I think that in both places for ourselves, but in terms of our uh, engaging others, in terms of our evangelization, in terms of our missionary discipleship, this is where Craved can be so helpful and Pascal. So um, one of the, the major topics that Pascal um, intended to talk about was diversion. Uh, and I think we could, the, the the word that I tend to use um, as a slightly different nuance, has a bit of a different nuance, but same basic idea is distraction. So there's a chapter in Kreft's commentary on on Pascal called diversion. Um, and 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 what I, what I want to do is read and offer my commentary on Kreft's commentary as he gets into this. So Kreft starts this way. We now turn from the problems to modernity's two most popular pseudo-solutions, diversion and indifference. Okay, so the problems, like sort of just where we're at as human beings, um, that's kind of what he's laid out. I'm, I'm kind of jumping in halfway through the book here, through Kreft's book. So the problems of the human experience, uh, and then what is modernity? So the, the modern culture, going back to the 17th century, what does modernity propose as pseudo-solutions? And there are two, according to Pascal and Kraft, agreeing with him. Diversion or distraction and indifference. Kraft goes on. Pascal diagnoses them as worse than total failures, as adding immeasurably to, immeasurably to the problem, as two cures that are worse than the disease, like curing a migraine with cancer or cancer with AIDS. In his Jeremiads against diversion and indifference, Pascal is at his most terrifyingly incisive, unendurably intimate, and devastatingly unanswerable. That's really, really. Pascal is at his most terrifyingly incisive. What's in, you know what incisive means, at least? Um, there's a lot going on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Never mind. Hi, listener, viewer. Uh, we're going to leave Elise alone. Unendurable, uh, terrifyingly incisive. So he really, he sees the problem uh, in an almost terrifying way, and he's able to name it. Unendurably intimate. He speaks to us in the depths of our heart where we are most vulnerable and devastatingly unanswerable. He's like, there's, there's no, no way to respond to his incisive, intimate critiques. My students, this is Kraft, my students are always stunned and shamed to silence as Pascal shows them in these pensées their own lives in all their shallowness, cowardice, and dishonesty. He keeps doing the same to me all the time, like the Holy Spirit. So that's sort of how Kraft sets this up. So now getting into diversion. Uh, this is one of the favorite, my most favorite things that Peter Kraft has ever written. For many years, I used to bother people with a simple question. So, Elise, I'm going to ask you a question here in a minute, just to give you a okay. heads up, all right? I'm ready. 
Um, for many years, I used to bother people with a simple question that was never adequately answered until I read Pascal, then Pensees in this section. It was a simple it was a simple child's question, and I asked it of philosophers, theologians, psychologists, sociologists, anthropologists, historians, economists, and even ordinary, sane, real people. Yet no one could give me a simple, straight answer. The question is, Lisa, are you ready? The question is, why doesn't anybody have any time today? Where did all the time go? So, Lisa, why don't we have, you know, oh, I'm so busy. I just I don't have time. I don't, so why are we so busy today? Where did all the time go? What, what's your, just off, off the cuff. You don't need to be like. Well, we make ourselves busy. me on the show more often <laughs> <laughs> we make ourselves busy that's i was gonna repeat the answer but you're on you're on mic well thanks for watching ignition today uh this has been chris bergwald and next week elise will be uh, the host since she uh, exactly so uh this is how craft goes on i think the <laughs> i think the best answer i got so again the question that he uh just posed why does anybody have any time today where did all the time go I think the best answer I got was Cleveland. <laughs> All the time went to Cleveland. Cleveland is where the time is. Uh, I really, someday, I, it probably will be in heaven when I get to ask Peter Kraft, what, how, what the, tell me about that conversation. Like, where, where do you think all the time went? It went to Cleveland. What? Okay, anyway. If the experts can't answer a simple child's question, the world has come to a pretty sorry state. The question is much more puzzling than it seems, Kraft goes on. We ought to have much more time, more leisure than our ancestors did because technology, which is the most obvious and radical difference between their lives and ours, is essentially a series of time-saving devices. In ancient societies, if you were rich, you had slaves to do the menial work so that you can be freed to enjoy your leisure time. Life was like a vacation for the rich because the poor slaves were their machines. We now no longer have slaves for two reasons, moral and religious principles and the Industrial Revolution. The first, the moral and religious principles, the first made us feel guilty about slavery, and the second made slavery unnecessary. So now that everyone has many slave substitutes, machines... Why does everyone enjoy the leisurely, vacation-y lifestyle of the ancient rich? Why have we killed time instead of saving it? And then this is where he gets from me. Your great-grandmother scrubbed clothes on a scrubbing board and cooked on a coal stove. You, that's us today, you push buttons on washing machines and microwave ovens full of prepared food. Yet your great-grandmother had more time to talk to her daughter than you do. Why? So I, I love that. It's like just, so my, I remember my, my grandma um, had, she didn't, she didn't, she had a washing machine, but was the kind, I don't know if you would have seen these old washing machines where they had rollers to like squeeze the water out. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. You do, well, really? you, you know, we got really? a family farm. A married family, farm. That's right. That's right. Okay. So like all these, there were dryers you had to hang it on. So like a couple, few, just a few generations ago um, and, and cooking over a coal stove. And yet those people 
had more time to talk to their kids than we do today. Well, with, and mind you, the phone was on the wall too. So if there was a if, if there was a phone, it was on the wall. So it's not like they were running in between things either. Exactly. Right. 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 Uh, so I just I, I think this is part of the incentive. This is this is Kraft. This is it. This is Kraft. Uh, having been informed and really imbibed what Pascal has to say, um, but this is, is his own words. And I think he is incisive here. He really points, he highlights the fact, and again, Elise already gave the, the answer. Why are we so busy? Because we make ourselves busy at the expense of not only ourselves, but those who are closest to us, ironically. And I am absolutely guilty of this, but we'll get to this more. All right. A simple question, Kraft goes on. Once the true answer came, I knew I'd know. I, I knew I'd know it. So as he's waiting for the answer, like, where, where'd all the time go? Cleveland's not the right answer. Where'd it really go? And he's, I, I, I knew that when I heard the right answer, I would know it. Like, there, it just, it would click. It didn't come, though. It didn't come until I read Pascal. And then it hit me like an arrow, splitting the air and thudding into a bullseye. Like that scene in the movie Moonstruck where Cher asks a middle-aged man why middle-aged men chase after young women and he answers offhandedly and only half seriously, maybe it's the fear of death. And Cher stops dead in her tracks and says, that's it. That's lost on me because I've never seen Moonstruck. So, okay, whatever. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so he's looking for the, that's it, that's it, answer to the question, where'd the time go? Again, Elise already told us. If the pensées in this section don't show you yourself, you probably don't know, need to read any farther. You're either very wise or very foolish. The masses in the middle, typically modern, harried, and hassled people like me and most other people I know, will read on. Since you're probably impatient, like most people today, I will tell you Pascal's answer immediately. Again, to the question, where did all the time go? And this is the answer. We want to complexify our lives. We don't have to. We want to. We want to be harried and hassled and busy. Unconsciously, we want the very thing we complain about. Unconsciously, we want the very thing we complain about. Oh, I'm so busy. Oh my gosh, I just don't have any time. I have so much going on. I'm running from here to there. Da, da, da. This was me last night. Left work. I had a, had a, a meeting for the way one of the kids and their sporting activities to go to. And then I had to uh, get get some dinner. And I pick one of the other kids up from work and get home and get go get a car. There was no time. Now, in this case, there were, these were objective things that I had to do. But but I like at the end of a week, I'm like, oh, my gosh, where did all the time go? And again, Kraft, riffing on Pascal, says, no, we do that to ourselves. So, Elise, brilliant answer of questions that you are. Why do we do that? Um, so, well, I, I was thinking, like, two reasons. Like, one, it's either to, like, make up for our faults. Like, oh, we can always blame it on the fact that we're busy. Or, like, we don't. Like, no one's after us, but we just feel like we're not doing... If we're not doing everything, we're not doing anything. Like, we're not... Oh, yeah. We're not, like, entitled to rest. Oh, yeah. That's a, oh, that's, that's really good. That Those are really good answers. That's not the direction that Pascal goes, but those are really good answers. I like those a lot. But this is the direction Pascal goes. So, again, this is Kraft. So, backing up. Um, 
What's Pascal's answer to where the time go? We want to complexify our lives. We don't have to. We want to. We want to be harried and hassled and busy. Unconsciously, we want the very thing we complain about. For if we had leisure, we would look at ourselves and listen to our hearts and see the great gaping hole in our hearts and be terrified because that hole is so big that nothing but God can fulfill it. So, Kraft, what Pascal says, and Kraft agrees with him, that the reason we make ourselves so busy is because if we stopped being busy, we would become aware of, again, how Kraft puts it, we would listen to our hearts, look at ourselves, listen to our hearts, and see the great gaping hole in our hearts. We'd, we'd be, become aware of this lack, this absence in our lives, in our existence, and we'd be terrified of it. So we keep ourselves busy. Um, today, the way we do this especially is by noise. By noise. We, there's always noise. And, and, and it, it could be good stuff. It, it could be... Uh, Music, good music. Uh, we, we're driving to work and we turn on classical music maybe or, or listen to a, a Catholic podcast, like good content. We're, we're, we're le- but we're still filling the void of silence because even for us as believers, I, speaking for myself, but Kraft says the same thing. Um, this applies even to us, that if we allowed things to be silent, would be terrified because we would recognize, oh my gosh, like the, I'm, I'm living so shallowly, so superficially. I'm avoiding going deeper into my heart because I know that the Lord is there waiting for me. Uh, and, he's, and he's calling me to myself. And, and so I'm kind of riffing here now on, on Crave, but this, this really struck home with me. So I just, in the, in the, couple minutes that we have left. I just want to end with this from Pascal himself. I have often said that the sole cause of man's unhappiness is, so Elise, how would you complete that sentence? I have so, I've often said that the sole cause of man's unhappiness is. Well, I would say like busyness. Well, yeah, yeah. In light of what we said, busyness. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I love how, yes, it's, I should have asked you this I, at the beginning. I, yeah, you're um, telegraphing my answers. That he does not know how to stay quietly in his room. That he does not know how to stay quietly in his room. Uh, and Crave talks about how he's tried to do this. Just 10 minutes. Dark room, silence. And he couldn't make 10 minutes. It became unbearable. So we are here in the early-ish weeks of Lent. Uh, and I would invite you to, in light of distraction, diversion, in light of busyness, to consider, as we continue through this Lenten season, to make time, maybe even considerable time, for silence. That you might find the Lord and respond to him. And folks, that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, with any questions about today's episode or ideas for future ones. Until next time, may God bless you.